Before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast featuring my special guest, Dave Dredge of Convex Strategies in Singapore. This was one of those conversations that I'd been looking forward to so much, and yet it managed to surpass my expectations dramatically. And I think you're going to enjoy it tremendously. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, and The Narrative Game, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Well, Dave, mate, good to see you again. It's been it's been way too long. Thanks for thanks for staying in the office late on a on a Friday night, no less, to have a chat with me. It uh, given the Giants Dodgers playoff games tomorrow morning, I figured this was better for me. Yeah, actually, good point. Good point indeed. Plus, where are you going to go? You're in Singapore. You got nowhere you can go anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, now, now look, the um, the kind of catalyst for this conversation was. Um, the latest update that you guys put out, I guess it was your August update. Uh, I don't know if the September one's come out yet, but um, Julian uh, shared that with me and it was just such a fantastic read. And uh, I've been keen to talk to you again for a long time, but this was just a perfect excuse to do that. And, and you know, I, when, I, when I open the, the letter and the first thing I see is this map of Afghanistan, I'm thinking, all right, where's he going with this? And then, you know, the next thing I know, half an hour's gone by and I've just been engrossed in this in this piece. So rather than me just read it out, I figured you and I could sit and chat about it. So let's jump in with Afghanistan and, and talk about why you started with that, what was important about it. And then I'm sure it will lead us through the letter pretty much chronologically based on where, where my mind went. Yeah. yeah you know, as, as you're somewhat aware, we very much, or I very much look at the world through the lens of what's known in physics space as self-organized criticality which was espoused by a physicist by the name of Per Bock, who wrote a book called How Nature Works, which is about how nature works. So when I saw, you know, as the Afghanistan thing was going on, you know, I saw one of these was on a BBC uh, news story, a pictures of the maps of the evolution over the last handful of weeks of which provinces were in government control, which were in dispute, and which yeah. were in uh, Taliban control by color. And the Taliban's ones were red, and there was just a few red ones on July 9th, after the day after uh, Biden gave a speech on J- July 8th when he said everything was getting out by August 31st and everything was fine. And that map stays more or less looking the same. Uh, and a few of the provinces start flipping colors back and forth and then one day or literally well two days they all turn red over a weekend every single province turns red and it just hit me 
you know, that's exactly self-organized criticality. That's the picture that Per Bach generated in his sandpile model of how sandpiles, dropping one grain of sand at a time, develop the self-organized criticality where a connected network of avalanches get generated by one more grain of sand and the inevitability of that and the unpredictability of it and the fact that it follows power laws like earthquakes or avalanches in real world, et cetera. And it just struck me that that was such a simple way to understand something that seemingly nobody understood that how did we go to this happening? And then that ties into how we look at economies and markets and well, everything, how nature works. This is something that I've spoken about a lot in the past, this idea about the natural forces that, that central banks are trying to keep at bay with, with, with their policies, you know, and um, there's only one winner in that battle ultimately. But, you know, when you look at that map of Afghanistan and we'll, we'll include a link to the, to the letter, because I think everybody should read it and, and give, you can give people places to go for that later in the conversation. But you look at that map of Afghanistan and it is startling to watch it happen. It literally was like over that weekend, 15, 16 of August, or I think roughly around there, uh, when it all happened. And the avalanche sandpile theory, it's not a surprise to anybody that that happens. You know, if you build a pile up, it, it becomes too unstable. What is it that makes us so blind to this stuff in anything but a physical representation of that, i.e. unless you're piling things up on top of each other, we fail to understand what's happening here. It's exactly the same forces in in action. It's an amazing thing. And and science knows it, right? Science knows, you know, the, the example that I always use, you've heard me use a thousand times, is the the forest fire analogy, right? The the longer you go without a forest fire, the bigger the risk gets of a catastrophic forest fire. And and we've learned through years of forestry management that that preventing and putting out every forest fire eventually leads to all of Yellowstone National Park burning down. And yet there seems to be this human nature of somehow trying to resist nature and that we feel like we can uh, prop up and manipulate and sustain sand piles all the while we're increasing the risk, not reducing the risk. And, and, you know, there's reams and decades of research into earthquakes that they're unpredictable. And yet they expand at a power law basis that every point on the Richter scale is 10 times stronger than the previous right, one. Right. And and that's the way sand piles, avalanches behave and the way Taliban's take over all of Afghanistan after 20 years of propping up an artificial sand pile. Yeah, I mean, that, that phase transition aspect of this, you know, was so important to understand. So, so, so let's talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll come on to what it means for markets and central banks and stuff in a minute. But let's go back to the Afghanistan situation and just walk us through how the power laws, how the self-organized criticality and how the phase transitions applied in that as an example. Yeah, you know, I... I, I talk about in the piece, the and I make the analogy between the Afghanistan sand pile where the, the bad guy is the Taliban and central bank policy where, where the bad guy is system-wide solvency risk. Right. And, and the COVID pandemic where the bad guy is the virus and the, 
the solution to that problem is a indefinite uh, imposition of intervention. And so you had 20 years in Afghanistan of uh, injection of troops in the U.S. creating a, a, a protective bubble for Afghanistan against the Taliban. Realized 10 years in that it was permanent and have spent the last 10 years trying to get out. So right. I make the analogy to, you know, if you notice in the piece, whenever I talk about troop withdrawals, I talk about tapering. And yeah. whenever yeah. I talk about uh, QE tapering, I talk about QE withdrawals, right? And, and, and so that looks very much the same. You have this, as I say, you, you know, it's a, it's a critical state when the intervention to support it is permanent, is indefinite. And, and as I say about QE, and I would say about lockdowns in, in terms of COVID policy, zero COVID policies, if they don't work, you do more. And if they do work, you do more. Right. right. And, yeah. and so you know you've got something that's in a critical state, right? You know a sand pile to sustain it necessitates indefinite permanent intervention. And, and even, you know, Joe Biden in his speech on uh, July 8th said it, right? He said it in his speech, you know, we realize this is permanent and we won't do it permanently. And the cost of doing it, the, the wasteful spending and corruption and lives cost isn't worth any potential upside. He even says, I won't allow another generation of Americans to go here again for only the same result. Now, eventually, in some point, the somebody at the Fed's going to say the same thing. We won't let this happen again, right? Which is yeah. what they said when they cre you created Bretton Wood a long time ago. But let's talk about that because there's a decision being made here, right? There's a decision being made. And you, and you touched on it there briefly about the solvency issue. And, and that's really underpinning all this, the financial side of this discussion, is this disparity between trying to treat a solvency problem with liquidity, which is really what's been going on for such a long time now. And they are two completely different problems. And one can sustain the other for a while, the same way the American troops in Afghanistan could maintain a semblance of peace with kind of little flare-ups here. Think of it like a volspike, I guess. But a decision gets made. So at some point, the administration in America has made a decision. They've followed through with it with that, this is where we're going now. This is what's going to be done to hell with the outcome. Is that even possible with the Federal Reserve? Because the the... The damage by the from the Afghanistan decision is media related in the initial stages at home, but there's the relief that you're bringing the troops home. That, you know, mums are going to get to see their kids again, and after that, the problem is confined largely to Afghanistan mm. overseas. And depending on the amount of media coverage, it can fade away pretty quickly, as it seems to have done now. But a similar decision on the part of the Federal Reserve, that's a whole different. A whole different ballgame. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of the questions, so in, in our world of risk, and, and you know, my my definition of risk is what hurts if it happens. It's not what you yeah. think is going to happen. It's what hurts if it happens. And so risk, and this is a Benoit Mandelbrot thing, it's dimension is subjective and, and risk is subjective. Everybody's risk is unique. What hurts you is unique. The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com.
Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.